I'm Scott Michael Shotgun with McLeod Bethel Thompson, and this is the Athlete Purpose Beyond Sport Podcast. Welcome back to the Athlete Purpose Beyond Sport Podcast. Mac and I decided to do something completely different this week. We're at episode 16, and at this point, we decided it would be relevant to just kind of check in with where we're at, have a conversation with each other, no guests this week, and, and chat about a little bit about where we've come in this journey and where we're trying to go with producing this podcast. Um, so no guests this week, like I said, it's just McLeod, Bethel Thompson, and myself, Scott Michael Shotgun, for episode 16. And Max can start us off with an ancestor. Fantastic. As we uh, jump into this, 16 in, it doesn't feel like that that many, but it's, it definitely has been a journey. Uh, so yeah, for sure. Uh, before we jump in, as we do every week, uh, we invite an ancestors to space to give us wisdom and guidance. And this week, a little bit of a correction, but a little bit of a, a fantastic hero um, in Fritz Pollard, uh, born in January 27th, 1894 in Chicago, Illinois, uh, passed away May 11th, 1986. So lived a good long life. Um, the first uh, African-American to break the color barrier before the NFL. So I mentioned Kenny Washington in one of our episodes as a, as a very prominent figure, and he still is in terms of breaking the color barrier. But Fritz Pollard came long before. Uh, he went to Brown University. He's a star athlete, went to Brown University to play football, it was, um, graduated with a chemistry degree, led Brown to the 1916, Ro- uh, 1916 Rose Bowl. Um, and in 1920, he broke into the pros with the Akron Pros, I wanted the, the football championship at that time and then quickly became a coach. He became a player coach um, in the 1920s. And as a black man in that time in America, just an amazing accomplishment. Um, they kind of, he played for the next six years before in 1926 when all black players were removed from the league. Um, and then he started and coached and played on a number of, of they call them barnstorming teams that traveled the, the country and played in different areas. And one of them was called the Harlem Brown Bombers. Um, he played with them until 1938, or he was involved with them until 1938 when uh, Kenny Washington came and he kind of integrated the NFL again. So um, interesting character, transformative player coach, way ahead of his time and uh, a pioneer in so many ways, inducted into the F- Football Hall of Fame and, and many other accolades, but um, bring him into the space for guidance. And appreciate that. It's a good one. We're, again, doing things a little bit differently this week. Um, I'm actually also introducing a second ancestor to, to bring us into the space. Well, here's the thing. It's only us, so we need more wisdom. We don't, <laughs> we don't have a guest to save us, so, so we need add the ancestor to give us the extra juice so we survive. I got a doozy for you right here. All right. Ancestor for this week from my end is Kobe Bryant. Oh. And what I, don't, I don't feel like Kobe Bryant needs introduction, any additional mention. I feel like you, you say that name in, its, in itself and you understand what the impact was on the world. And, and I know, like last night, I actually spent some time just watching highlights from Kobe's last game. And I had chills the entire time. And I was, I was thinking about like, why does this affect me so much? Right? Like in so many ways, this game of basketball, I fell in love with the game of basketball from the age of probably two, right? Or maybe before that, like in in my family photo albums, 
my mom, you know, kept them all together. So they're all in chronological order. And, and there's like the pictures of me taking my first steps as a child. And the, the very next steps are me shooting a basketball or the very next pictures are me shooting a basketball. So like basketball really as a sport was, was my first love. And when I think about the game in so many ways, it's, it's pretty arbitrary. I mean, you run up and down some hardwood and throw a leather ball and, and through a hoop and through a net, like it, it, you're not really doing anything, but at the same time, like there's so much soul and there's so much culture and there's so much passion behind it. And, you know, some people play music, some people cook food, some people, you know, paint art or shoot photos to some people write people do a lot of different things they get in touch with the soul and the and the experience of just the human condition i think a lot of us who play sports we we explore that realm through sport and through athletics and through this expression of self um that again, it's kind of arbitrary, but at the same time, like connects us to something that's, that's much deeper. And so when I was really thinking about ancestor um, this week and, and, and in the specific episode of being a time where we really just kind of check in with how we're doing, I was thinking about going a couple of different directions and, and it just came to me. It's like Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant. And you don't need to say much more than that. So that's who I'm bringing into the space. Man, that's so beautiful. There's two there's two elements that just struck me very hard. The first thing is is my relationship to basketball. And and I didn't come to basketball early. I came to basketball late and very infrequently. And um, these last times, uh, kind of months in, in, in lockdown, I've been exploring bouncing a basketball and playing basketball. And I've been doing this for the last couple off seasons. Um, and I just think to quantify what it is to play basketball, it is the most beautiful improvised dance we've created. Isn't it? Human beings. Because I've, I, my first experience with sports was soccer. So I played soccer at three and a half. Like I said, when I could walk, like you were walking, you were playing basketball. I was walking, I was playing soccer. And I never learned how to play the game. I played a couple of years in middle school and a couple of years in high school and was never taught how to dribble, how to shoot or how to do anything. So me trying to learn like now as a, you know, experienced athlete, I know how to learn things with my body. And the experience of, of dribbling a ball, moving, seeing space, and just dribbling a ball without looking at it is a level of like dexterity and spatial awareness and rhythm that is truly phenomenal, much less trying to go through the lanes behind the back, know where a defender is, and then, you know, try to make a layup at the same time. It is the, the most advanced form of improvisational dance that I think we've created as humans. Um, and I don't think that's explored enough or, you know, appreciated. I think we assume we see so many amazing plays. And then it comes back to the second point, which is just Kobe. Um, what he did and the way what he turned himself into, the stories about Kobe – the first of all the beautiful images of watching him play and then second of all the stories of him his work ethic yeah there are stories of him going to las vegas during the nba kind of summer camps and him breaking trainers down trainers would get phone calls from him at 2 a.m in the morning 
they'd be like, oh man, is Kobe like drunk? Is he out at the club? Like, why is he calling me at 2 a.m.? He said, I need to get up, you know, 500 shots. I need to get up a thousand shots. He would, he would go on a sleep regime where he would sleep four hours, get up and train and then go back to sleep and sleep four hours. Cause that was his REM cycle. I mean, just like phenomenal character. Um, he was a dude, he, he built his entire life around basketball. Like his, his life was a hundred percent built around maximizing his performance and his experience with the game of basketball. Like he was basketball and he nailed it. We, we talk about identity and all that sort of stuff. Like Kobe Bryant was basketball, and you he, know, and, and he, like, that's who he became. That's who he was. Right. And, and you can say that beyond, you know, yeah, there's a whole dialogue that he stole all of Michael Jordan's move. And as you watch the tape, like, yeah, he did. And, and, and he would harass Michael Jordan. You know, he was, he would also call Michael Jordan at 2 AM and say like, you know, Hey, what are you doing on your drop step on your fadeaway? Right. Like he would, he would do that type of stuff. And, you know, MJ, without a doubt, arguably the best basketball player of all time, arguably, right. There is that argument, but it doesn't really matter. He was, he was, they're, they're both amazing. They're both incredible, but MJ also needed to step away from the game a whole lot, right? Like he took three years off and went and played baseball. Like he spent a lot of time on the golf course. He did all these other things. Kobe, I it seems like he didn't have anything else and not in like a depressing way. It's just, he loved the game that much. Like he had just such a big smile and such an intensity to the way he addressed his time on the court or in the weight room, or just the, just the way he interacted with the game was beyond just about anybody in the history of sport. There was he was special. And having said that, I say that he's special and I have unbelievable respect for him. I never liked Kobe when he was playing. I never liked Kobe. Like I grew up a Warriors fan and, you know, and then the, the scandals and all this, like I thought Kobe was terrible because he was so good. Yeah. Um, and then you see it kind of posthumous and on the flip side and it's, you just respect what he did. Um, I wish we would have, I think Kobe at his best was Kobe post basketball. And I'm sorry, we, the world didn't get to see that. I remember you, you texted me, you were the one who told me that Kobe had passed away. I was up in Tahoe um, with a couple friends and you texted me and you said, Oh my God, Kobe just died. Hmm. And I was about to go on a walk with some friends along the Truckee river. And I like stopped in my tracks and I read that text and I was like, Oh my God. And people around me were like, what, like, what's going on? What's going on? Like thinking that, you know, something really bad just happened to my family or something like that. And it was that Kobe died and you were the one that told me. And it really did impact me a lot. Like growing up, you know, I never got to meet Kobe. You know what I mean? I, I, but he still had such an influence on my life, right? Like I love basketball so much and he gave so much to that game that it really impacted and gave so much direction to my life at a very young age. That was really, really positive. It gave you something to work on and something to work towards. And like, yeah, you know, maybe he stole his moves from Michael, but you know, there's a lot of the way, like I still play basketball that I look up and I'm like, man, I'm still playing like late nineties, early 2000 basketball, kind of like the way Kobe did. Cause that's how you played, right? There's a lot of the mid range game. It was a lot of that sort of stuff. And, and, 
I think in since his passing, I've just been so much more grateful for the the time and and the energy and the love that he just put into the game, right? Like, and I even watch the times where it's really easy to be critical of Kobe in in interviews where you know there's that classic interview where I you know they're up two zero in the playoff series and. Uh, and reporter asked him, like, you know, are you, you pretty you happy? You feeling pretty good about going forward from here? He's like, we're up 2-0. Job's not done. Mm. We're up 2-0. Job's not done. Right? And, and, and at the time, you're kind of like, well, come on, Coach. Like, relax a little bit, dude. Like, don't take yourself that, that seriously. But it was so authentic, right? Like, his whole objective was to be the best on the court that he could possibly be, to give the most – into the game that he could possibly give. And, and I do really feel like being that committed to something and that in love with something, like it is so fulfilling. It is such a fulfilling and, and, and purposeful and an intentional way of going about life, right? Where you're just so committed to that one thing. We're up to a, what's there to celebrate? We're not done yet. The job's not done yet. Keep going. I love what is, and I, and as you talk about that, I have those same, those very same feelings of like watching someone command a a court or a field and having those goosebumps and having those feelings and having that idol to look up to and to emulate um, and to have that here and and be in communication, having never met someone, but have a mutual love. And what what is that about sport? What is that, that air we breathe? We've had 16 conversations now about sport. We all breathe that air we all breathe that communal love and what is that? So I'm going to, as we engage, I'm going to jump into our first question and say, how I'm going to ask you, how often do you engage with sport and what is your relationship with sport? Man, you know, there was up until about two months ago or about a month ago, maybe about a month and a half ago. um, I was really committed to, this idea of sport as a daily habit, Mm. right? So I was trying to engage in sport every single day. And there would be weeks where I would climb and snowboard and play basketball and ride my bike and go rafting all in the same week. So I'm engaging with like four to five different sports a week. Um, And it was, tremendous it was amazing it was a lot to maintain um but it was incredible you know in adult life it's harder to to keep in contact with sport if you're not a professional athlete right like when you're just playing recreationally you the things you get out of it are are personal it's not financial it's not there isn't a, a, a monetary exchange. There isn't a, this is putting food on the table sort of thing. But in a way, it's sort of like, you know, going to church or meditating or, you know, any of these sort of self-care type items that are, are really, really important for your quality of life. Um, and in the last month and a half, to be honest with you, like, I haven't, prioritized it as much and i just had a conversation with one of my best friends yesterday one of my my buddies who i've 
known from childhood and we mountain bike together. That's our sport that we share. Um, you know, we, we snowboard together quite a bit as well, but you know, our primary thing is we, we mountain bike together and we just had a conversation, you know, we're both kind of in this transition point in life, figuring out what our next sort of thing is. And, you know, he got some advice from, you know, a good person saying like, Hey, just keep mountain biking and have that conversation. It's like, you know what, that's a really good reminder. Like I need to get back in that habit of, of sport as a daily habit because it does like, it is like when you're an athlete, it it's, it's, it's what affects your soul. You know, it's, it's your opportunity to, you know, and I don't want to diminish the experience of religion or anything else, but when you play sport, like it sort of is a religion. It sort of is the thing that affects your soul, that affects your human condition, that affects your spirit. And uh, my life is always better when I'm frequently playing sport. I'm happier. I'm more fun. I'm more gregarious. I'm more extroverted, all those sorts of things. I'm more curious. I just feel better, sleep better, more enthused about life in general. Um, so <clears throat> right now I'm engaging with sport. I would say four to five days a week. Sometimes that's going to the gym. Um, you know, and sometimes that's playing basketball. Sometimes that's riding bikes. Um, sometimes that's rafting. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, I try to do as much as I can. We like to spend a little bit more time climbing and doing other things, but, uh, but, uh, I think this conversation and the conversation I had with a buddy yesterday is a good reminder to, you know, get myself back out there a little bit more. I love that. I've, I've been trying to, uh, wake up every morning and I step outside and it's pretty much every day that I touch a ball, I juggle a ball, I throw a ball. I lift a weight, I do something and I'm, I'm aware of how much um, my mind affects my body. Um, and I've done a lot of that exploration kind of through a rollout process and people that don't know what rolling out, it's like a, a self massage tool. So it's like a PVC pipe or a lacrosse ball or a softball that you can do self massage in. And some I've got really into in these last couple of years. And what's most um, interesting about that for me is I know how much I hold thoughts in my muscles. And I'll be like, something's really tight on my body. And it's as I'm rolling it out, I'm realizing that I'm like releasing a thought or bringing up a, a thought or something I'm anxious about or, or worried about. And so I'm, I'm aware of how much my mind affects my body. And I think it works the opposite way for me with sport. Like if I get out there first thing in the morning and I do, you know, just a quick 10, 15, 20 minute, 30 minute workout and shoot some hoops, um, I'm a little bit more patient throughout the day. I'm a little bit more yeah. calm. I'm a little bit more in the moment. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit more of where my surroundings, I'm a little bit more selfless. Um, and that's something where you talk about that daily meditation that I've really been exploring in these last couple of months. And I, and I hope to kind of remind myself for the rest of my life that I'm, I'm a, as weird as it sounds, I'm a better person when I play a little bit of sports every day. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, I think it's totally a hundred percent true. And that, that kind of reminds me of the, you know, we had that episode with Will Hewlett and we talked about that podcast and it was all about, you know, how the stories that we tell ourselves can, they really do impact um, the way our brains are formed and the way we perceive the world around us. And I think there's this element to sport and doing it on a daily basis that it's, 
it's just this expression of self-care, self-care for your body, self-care for your spirit. And when you, when you do that daily, it's your on a daily basis telling yourself that, you know, you matter and that your life's important. Yeah. Your life is, is fun and, and you can do hard things and you can have a great time and you can connect with anybody on the planet who, who does these things as well. And, um, and it's a really, sport is a really empowering experience on a, on a daily basis on um, that sort of level. And I, and that, that, that episode where we broke down that podcast with, uh, you know, Dr. Jared Cooney Horvath, um, I think that that reminds me of that a little bit, which will bring me into next question I have for you. And that's, you know, what have been some of the highlights or moments that have stuck with you uh, to this point in our podcast journey together? Oh man, there's too many to count. Okay. Here's what I'll do to answer that question. I wrote down, I wrote down notes from the, I watched, I've listened to the first 11 and I'm working my way through as we go. Uh, but I mean, I've broken down notes for each episode. And I, I, first of all, I struggle with the sound of my own voice, but I'll get over that as we get along. But then I broke it down into like kind of sentence longs. And then I broke down into one word for each podcast. Really? So I'm going to read off the first 11 and it's going to, it's, it's pretty profound when you look at it. One podcast, two philosophy, three confidence, four emotions, five representation, six coaching, seven culture, eight artistry, nine identity, 10 industry, 11 career, and 12 legacy. And I just think that's a beautiful, like, and that's what I've got from each episode. And that's what I got kind of, we talked about it, something surrounding, it was a central point from each one, but that's what sport is to us. All those things, you know, it's just part of our philosophy. It's how we build confidence. It's how we express emotions. It's how we represent ourselves. It's how we take coaching and learn from other people or give coaching. Um, it's the culture we're surrounded by. It's how we express our artistry. So, you know, on and on and on, I could hit each word again, but I just thought that was really powerful to, to see how the diversity of how we experience sport. Man, you know what jumps out to me? Like one instant in particular, and I'll, I'll bring up his episode, but the episode with Connor Ryan, it was the only episode that you and I did with somebody that neither of us knew ahead of time. And so Connor Ryan was a native skier. I think it was episode eight, I believe. Yeah. Um, um, and there were moments in that episode where to be totally clear, I don't ski, I snowboard, right? Those are, they, they interact with the same mountain environment, but they're different sports. Okay. Mac, I've snowboarded with you and you also don't ski, you snowboard, right? So this is a sport that we don't even share with this guy, but that conversation elevated to a level of excitement between the three of us that was it was palpable we we were experiencing the sacred stoke as he describes it just the three of us just sitting around talking about sport and he we've never met him in person and we were so like connected and vibing off of this idea of what sport is and what it opens itself up to and that episode to me like really tapped into what the power of what we are talking about really is right on just that micro level 
on how you can connect with one person in this medium of sport. And that's, and he was talking about ancient stuff. Like he, his, his wisdom I felt was deeper in, in so many ways because his experience with sport was, was deeper. He was, he was finding his experience with sport through his connection with his people. Um, and I think that's, that's a, uh, a testament to the conversation of what community is, what society is, um, how do we all feed into this larger ethos um, and how sport can be a connective tissue. So quickly, three strangers or two strangers, me and you know each other and, and him as being the stranger, can find that common thread and see humanity in the other person um, through that shared experience. It's incredible. It's powerful. And he talk about him just like kind of knocking us out the park, like stuff we had been building on and kind of building up to. He just encapsulated and worded, per, like worded so perfectly. Um, that was very cool. It was a cool episode. He, he, he took the words out of both of our mouths on a couple of occasions. I remember you asked him like, uh, you asked him like what, you know, what is sport at his core? I can't remember the specific question. He basically says like sport really teaches you about who you are. And I remember you just like on the episode, just kind of shaking your head like, well, that's my words. And then he goes in and, and he starts talking about the water and, and how like you have to understand that like your body is made of this stuff when you consume water. And I'm like, well, that's kind of my words about the nature connection. So <laughs> I think it's a, it's a really, looking it right now. <laughs> it's really a privileged journey we've gone through. And I think, I think yeah. it's worth, just kind of stepping through the first 11 in certain ways and just talking about like Tony's episode just to, to lead us off and how much of a, you know, he is a uh, school psychologist and, but in so many ways he was a psychologist to our podcast journey. Like yeah. he, he facilitated space, but like, yeah, you guys can do this. Yeah. Just, you know, talk about something you're interested in and, and ask good questions and bring on interesting guests. It's like he was a journey into that. And then yeah. being number two and that philosophical nature um, that he brings to every element and some more, uh, the, the conversation of him talking about the ball that was too big to ever, the biggest ball you can ever imagine. And it's With too all big. The panels on it, right? it will never roll over in all of time. And your point of life, it's rolling down a track that's covered with different colors, paint. And the goal of life is to roll your ball over as many colors of paint as possible. I mean, just a beautiful image of, of how he sees the world and his philosophical nature and, and how he played the game in so many ways. And, Cheeto being his like his confidence, ever-ending confidence in Cheeto, um, and how he was able to transfer that from football, which he admitted he was not the best at, but he made the most out of it by being confident. And I'm sure it's the same way with acting in so many ways that he he is demanding success by showing up every day and being his best self. Um, and then Steve Steve Agreda down in El Salvador and how he's ta talking about building culture through sport. And building culture in such a hard place, um, in such a difficult journey, but doing it so nobly on a daily basis. Um, Eric, Eric Moretta was talking about representation and how he's determined to be a mentor, the mentor that he never had in so many ways, um, and making a difference, determined to make a difference in younger people's lives every day. Um, Will with nonlinear coaching. Um, talk about a coach that's willing to surround the whole person. I've experienced that personally. Like I felt like his coaching has surrounded me and made me a better person as well as a better thrower of the football. Um, and Maya, Jeremiah Masoli, and talking about legacy and culture, um, just a glimpse into how he approaches the game and what he's paving for, for his people and his family and how he carries everyone with him on a daily basis. 
um, Connor, you hit that with artist artistry and organic and how he's so connected to the land in so many different ways. Um, Xander, uh, again, talking about his experience through the game and how he expresses himself on the mountain. I mean, how he sees lines and figured out who he's is such an analytical approach to skiing. Um, almost like a doctor picking things apart in so many ways. Um, I thought Dan, it was so interesting. I thought it was so interesting having the Connor Ryan and the Xander Goldman episode go back to back two skiers who haven't met each other, but you know, Xander Goldman is a white middle-class American. Connor Ryan is native Lakota, right? but they both do the same sport and they tied in together so well because it was very much like two different perspectives on interacting with that sport. And I remember when Xander in episode nine, when we talked about representation and skiing and he said, you know what, like skiing is predominantly white and male. Right. And then that is totally backed up with the episode that we have with Connor Ryan that says, Basically, my ethos to skiing is to get more people who are not white male skiing and represented on these mountains, right? And it was just such a perfect, like, we're all going after the same thing, right? We all want this, like, deeper connection to each other. We all want this deeper connection to the world in which we inhabit. And those two were, I was very, very proud the way those two lined up. I mean, proud, probably not the right word, because it was just, like, kind of just fell in our laps in a way, like very fortunately, but it was very rewarding to see those two come together the way they did. Anyway, not to interrupt. No, no, that was it. That was perfect. And isn't that our job? Like we can be proud because we're here to witness it and not in a proud and a selfish way, proud in in terms of like that we exist in this world and, and we've been situated in, in situations and chose this route or that route to situate us here to be exposed to those types of people in that type of order. Um, I feel privileged through the conversations we've had and uh, we're not even done yet. We got, you know, five more episodes to go. The last two were Dan Krikorian, who's just the smartest coach you're going to cross. And, and I would have loved, I would love to play coached by him in any sport um, in any way, a fantastic human. And then Cam Toller was uh, as far as I've gotten um, working up to it. And we have four more, five more gems to come. I think our, even our, our best episodes were closer to the end. Um, so Isn't it amazing? We, we, we have all those and we haven't even talked about Mark Grebe, like one of the, the best arena league quarterback ever. And Ricky Ray, arguably the best CFL quarterback ever. Like, you're two of the greatest quarterbacks in their leagues of all time. And we haven't even got to that yet. It's, yeah. it's been a really fantastic journey. And I think that's like a testament to our journey through sport. Um, yeah. We should be it's, proud. We should be proud. Exactly what you're saying. We should be proud of our journey. Um, it, and here's, I'm going to jump into this question as we talk about our, our proud of our journey. Um, okay, given what we have talked about and our guests and everything and your career, how would you have bettered your career? And I do mean that as an entirety of your career and your career yet to come. Um, what would you experience like to your high school self or your middle school self or your college self? Um, what advice would you have given yourself? Can, is there something that pops to mind? Mm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think I would have spent more time reconnecting with all the people who I had 
connected with originally in like the first go around with each sport. Mm. And I feel like when I left, so I, I played in college, I played basketball. Uh, well, I played football. That was my primary sport. And I played a couple years of basketball as well. And then I actually helped uh, start and was co-president of our, our uh, university cycling team. So I was basically playing three sports in college. Um, but I would make time and make a priority in, in creating reunions or other just types of opportunities to just, or even just visits, just, just visit people who I, I had played with and done a better job at keeping those connections alive. And I feel like this podcast for, for me personally has been a great reason and opportunity to reconnect with some of my favorite people who I've met through sport, but there are so many more. There are so many more people who are just so important that like may or may not ever be a part of this, but having this conversation like really makes me want to do a better job maintaining those connections and those relationships. Cause I feel like when I, when I went on, when I went through each transition from college into the pro game, into the arena game, and then from arena into, you know, uh, when I did my work with beyond sports down in, in Central America. And then from there, when I moved down to South America to start guiding whitewater rafting trips again and, I feel like each time I sort of left a little bit of a community behind and didn't, you know, didn't necessarily in the words of Drake, like keep my family close. <laughs> and, um, and it's hard. Like once you, once you stop keeping in touch with people on a, on a frequency, on a frequent basis, a little bit of the relationship starts to slip and you have to, and it, it becomes harder to like build people back into your, your daily and weekly life. And it can lead you to feeling a bit lonely. Like I think is when we're young, when we're in high school and when we're in college, we're, we're, we get in the habit of being constantly surrounded by our peers and constantly around people who are pretty like-minded, right? It's all people who are going to school, playing sports, they're young, doing their thing. Right. And we're, constantly surrounded on a day-to-day -day basis as you get older you life doesn't naturally put you around people as much and or like-minded people as much and you know there's your working communities and then there's maybe your after work hobby community and whatever you do but it's just it's different and things become a little bit more isolated as you become an adult and in in american culture specifically i think and um i think you can mitigate some of that by by being very deliberate about keeping those important relationships intact by checking in texts calls visits times to keep playing your sport or going to the weight room or whatever it is that you used to always do together um to just keep those relationships intact and i think I'm still struggling at times and, and have really kind of started to invest in the last couple of years in, in reconnecting with all those people who have been so important in my, my journey to this point. What a great answer. That's awesome. That's really beautiful. I was just thinking about, as you were saying that, like the power of sport to, to build that connection that 
you're able to see people, especially in the football world, but in all sports, like you're able to see people after 10 suicides on a basketball court, or you're able to see what a person's like on the afternoon of a double day. Um, you're able to see somebody when it's 90, you know, five degrees outside and they don't really want to practice, but then they make themselves practice. You know, it's, it's a great vignette and to, it really exposes people to, to be who they are in so many ways. And you, and it is hard to stay in contact, but some of those maybe connections, they can go away for a while and come back and burn real bright, real quick because you know them to their core in so many ways. That's the amazing thing about some of the relationships that I've found through sport. And to be fair, like most of my close friendships, almost all of my closest friendships have happened because of sport. Right. And I think there, there's something really amazing when you realize that like, okay, I haven't talked to this person in four or five years and you meet up and it's like exactly the way it was four or five years ago. Right. Like it, there is that like sort of timeless connection and relationship that you have with people when you, when you play sport with them. Yeah. 1000%. All All right. Next question for you. How has this podcast project to this point, to this point informed you about yourself, McLeod Bethel Thompson? Oh man, good question. You know what? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna piggyback on exactly what we've talked about. I has it's informed me about appreciating what a fantastic journey I have had through sport. Um, similar to what we just talked about, like the people that have come on this podcast, as well as the many, many, more, many more that haven't. Um, what a beautiful journey I've had through sport, and I just want to shout out the MYSL Mission Youth Soccer League in San Francisco, California, and the, you know, Guadalajara, the, the San Francisco Chivas that we played for, um, and all the people that I played soccer with competitively every day. We were playing 82 games a year when we were 10 years old. You know what I'm saying? Some of the, we traveled all over California um, to Balboa High School, where I learned what sport is about, to Sacramento State, to UCLA, to, to every pro team I've been a part of. Um, it's just, it's taken me a second to really talk. And when I talk, I think, and sometimes I think I should think before I talk, but sometimes that's how it works. And it's just, it's informed me to the fantastic journey I've had through sport. Um, and much less how connected, how interconnected my identity of myself is with my relationship to sport. Um, and sometimes that can feel like, man, like, that's so weird. Like, why are you so linked at the hip to this game um but it but it's informed me about myself and it's made me a a better me um and i think that it's time in my career that i express my full self and that's when i'll be my best self on the football field i'll be my best player um i'll be my best avatar of myself that i can become um, I don't know if that was a good answer to your question, but but what a fantastic journey I've had. It's it got me time to marinate on on a beautiful career that's not done yet. What I, I think it show I think what you're what you're really getting at is it shows you what you're so appreciative appreciative of in the journey through life that you've had so far. And you know when you when we get to sit down and really think about the people that we've gotten to come in contact with and just the 
just the stories that we have with with each of those people like they're really cool they're just really freaking cool and they're really fulfilling and yeah it's it's simple but complex at the same time and and there's there's a beauty in like all the adversity but all the fun and just all the there's just a a higher level of vibration you know that you have going on with with uh with it like i i think that's a great answer you know it's just it's just appreciating the journey that we've been on to this point and appreciating that you can have that appreciation on a daily basis. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you got that from it. Cause I, <laughs> I was over there thinking and talking at the same time. All right. I'm going to shift. I'm going to shift. Cause we've talked about how great sport is for us and how, how transformative it's been. I'm going to go a little bit more of a challenging question. Um, in these first 16 episodes, we've only had one female guest on and that's Josie. And what a fantastic, time that was and we really appreciate it for her but um going forward um i think that shows our lack of of kind of sharing of sports space with females um and how it can be a very sexist environment and so i asked how will you include women in your future relationship with sport oh man that is a you know that really jumps out at me as well um and we've had that conversation with with you know, people outside of the podcast, not recorded, um, where people have said, you know, I've really enjoyed your conversations, but there aren't any women. <laughs> yeah. And it's really telling. I mean, you, you can look at, I mean, if you want to, if you want to look at, you know, the diversity of backgrounds and skin colors and um, socioeconomic, uh, socioeconomic upbringings and everything that uh, of the guests that we had, on our episodes, it, it's been a really diverse group, and we've all been very connected um, with this one medium that we have, and, and these relationships are really, really good and really, really strong. But it is very telling that in our experience through sport, you know, we've gone through sixteen episodes now. We've had one female guest. Um, you know, I think if I'm being totally honest, um, growing up with sport um and (laughs) this may this may cast a little bit of a dark light on on a on a on maybe a past self that i'm in the process of growing out of um or or really working on growing out of but right as as a as a man who's attracted to women um i think as a young person I viewed sport as an opportunity to give me a platform and an amount of notoriety and amount of image in order to almost acquire in a accomplishment sort of sense, um, the attention and, uh, the companionship and the interaction with women. Mm -hmm. And I think we get that, like the football model of sport is you have men playing on the field and beautiful women on the sideline dancing in very little clothes, cheering them on. Right. And from that experience, you sort of frame in your mind from a very young age as women are this part of society as a man, that's sort of a a trophy to your accomplishments. And I don't think that that's right. And I don't think that that's fair. 
I think in the conversations that we have with Steve, especially in, in this podcast, you know, the quote that really stuck out with me was that if we don't include women in the act of playing our sports, it's like, it's like only putting half a tank of gas in our car. Right. And that wasn't the exact words, but the point being is women play such an incredible integral role in our societies and in our lives and in our communities that when we reduce their existence to just being a sort of trophy or sort of this just being to, you know, just to put it flat out, just someone to hook up with, right? Like it's, it's not a healthy relationship to have. Uh, there's a lot more for that relationship that, that there's potential for. And I, and I think I've been fortunate as of late to get more involved again with rafting and, and with climbing where the, the issues of, of sexism and, and sort of, they are still dominated by, by men, by males. But there are a lot of women that are in those spaces and really the people teaching me how to climb in the last year or so have been women. And getting an opportunity to reframe my personal relationships with with women around them and it's it's absolutely absurd when you really think about it that this is like a revelation but it this is sort of the the realization that you have as a privileged white male is is the the perspectives that you've just discounted right but what women are they're half of our society and they're half of our communities that have an incredible amount to teach and an incredible amount to share and an incredible skill set. And we really need to value that. And we really need to uplift that. And when we suppress it and when we reduce it into only being this part of our community, this part of our social groups, that is a trophy for us to, hook up with or parade or parade around as, as an accomplishment to our own lives, we're really selling ourselves incredibly short. And for me personally, it would be a tremendous honor to be able to get the opportunity to go climbing sometime with Josie McKee. She is an incredible person. She is an incredibly accomplished climber and it would be such a privilege to be able to do that. And I want to, moving forward, I want to have more of a balanced and equitable approach to sport where the opportunities that I get to have with women in a sporting world are for the same reasons why you and I play sport with all of our male friends is to form connection, to form bond, to build camaraderie, to build kinship and those sorts of things. Um, and I think, I think the, the breakdown that we've had of our guests up until this point is telling that there's a lot more work that I personally need to do to expand my social circles and having good, solid platonic 
athletic relationships with women? I think that's very valid. And it's, it's very remarkable that you recognize that. And I too recognize that in myself. I don't think that that is unique. And we, there's other people that we've had on our podcast that have mentioned that same thing um, in terms of, you know, playing sports to get women or to, to seem cool so that you can be invited into the cool club. And I don't, I think part of that is a personal responsibility that we all need to have and how can we create space. But part of it's kind of that micro macro conversation that we talked about with Dan in so many ways that like, in some ways it does reflect society and the industry does reflect that kind of segregation of the sexes. And I never played sports with girls, with women, you know, like I remember there was one time in my life where I played, I, I would practice with my sister's team. My sister's four years older. And I would practice and compete with them for maybe a year or two. But then that's the only time in my life I've ever played sports with females. Um, and so I, I don't think it's necessarily, and fault is maybe a, a, a large word to use here, but it's like, how do, where are the avenues for us to explore that? Um, yeah. And I look forward to like looking forward as I continue to build my relationship with basketball, I would love to pursue uh, a female basketball trainer and you know there's there's females out there trying to play basketball against a WNBA player she's gonna whoop your butt you know what I'm saying and, and there's so many prolific players and now they've been playing the game for a longer time trickling down to high school and younger there have been more opportunities for them to play um, I think it's also worthwhile saying I, I remember my mom um, was a phenomenal athlete as a child uh, she was born in 1950 and she was a baseball player. She loved baseball. Um, she grew up in Los Angeles in Long Beach, California. So she grew up a Dodgers fan. And she said from the time that she could, she was really aware, she, she remembers, she'd go to sleep every night that baseball season, she would fall asleep to listening to the baseball game under her pillow. And she was a huge Dodgers fan. And I, she tells a story about the, she'd play with a couple kids, on this, you know, from the street and they play baseball every day and she whooped their butt. She was way better than these kids. She was the best player on her block. And when it be time to go out for little league, um, she went and there were real LA Dodgers were going to come down and pick the local little league team. And she was so ecstatic. She got her two friends or two male friends. She convinced them to go to this workout. She went over to the diamond. There were real Dodgers there. Um, I'm sure they were like, you know, double a AA or triple a guys but she was so excited she dragged two players there um and they went down the line and they started picking players and they picked every player and they picked every player and then they all ran off and she wasn't picked and she stood around she looked left she looked right and she was so embarrassed she ran and hid behind a tree and she realized at that moment she was the only female out there and she never played baseball again and then the next year her two best friends on the block wouldn't play with her you know, like that was on, that was one generation ago. That was my mom. And that was her experience with baseball. And I think we've come so far that this last two generations, this hopefully the next one, they have opportunities to play. There is a, there is a, a youth softball league. There is basketball courts. I think we're pushing that envelope too. And I hope, and I don't know where this looks and what the industry is like going forward, but how can we get, um, what is the proper mix of female and male athletes and how can they play in, in congruity and, and in a basketball level, I think there's much more levels of where they can interact and play against each other. 
Um, so there's a lot of factors to that conversation. I think the individual responsibilities you talked about is super important and I like to do the same thing. Um, but it's also recognizing society at large and how those factors influence sport as an industry. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I think it's really important that, that we really prioritize this gender in inclusivity in sport. Um, it, you know, there's been a lot of talk and it's real. I mean, you and I, we both went through college. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of talk about like there being a bit of a, this rape culture in college. And, and that's a very blunt and, and hurtful thing to throw out, but it's real. And unfortunately, a lot of that happens with these sort of hyper-masculine males who have a view of women as being a, a possession for man's enjoyment. And it is so far from the truth and it is so damaging and so terrible. And it's, the thing is, is it's, it's damaging and terrible for men as well to have that view of what women would, the role that women play in your life. Um, my life is made better by the women in my life, right? Friends, family, um, romantic partners, it straight out. It's just, it's made better. And, and I think that if we're able to somehow affect this culture of sport to make it a bit more inclusive and make it less about the result, less about the outcome, right? And more about the relationship and the journey and the experience and more about the connection that you make with other people, I think some of that culture can be influenced, right? If you go to college and your college experience with sport is more about playing as males, is more about playing alongside with women and men and women excelling and competing together and sharing in this bond and this experience together and less about men going out and performing at their best level so that they can acquire all of the attention from females that they can get. I think that you can mitigate a bit of that damaging culture. I think that you can build a lot more respect and a lot more kinship across the genders and across all the sexual orientations and all the gender orientations by forming that bond and forming that, that, that amount of respect with one another. If we're talking about sport as the, as the great meritocracy, um, it doesn't matter who or where or what you look like. It's a matter about how you dribble the basketball and, you know, or how you, how you hit the baseball or how you throw the football. It, it, it is a space to, to share that communal experience. Um, and exactly what you're saying, the more in, inclusive that can be um, and the more positive experiences we get out of that, I think the better the sports industry as a whole will be. Um, and I don't think we'll create any less superstars. You know, like LeBron James is still going to become LeBron James. All this, I don't think we're going to lose the top end. The top end is going to remain the same. Roger Federer proved that, right? 
Roger yeah. Federer, you know, came out of that that kind of ideology. We're how, still- how cool would it be to watch a two-on-two game between like LeBron James and Candace Parker and Damian Lillard and Diana Taurasi? How entertaining of a two-on-two game would that be to watch? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I would. I'm in. <laughs> Sign me up. I'd pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. Why not? You know, my uh, somebody that we should maybe consider getting on. Uh, my college basketball coach actually has spearheaded this whole program around uh, Willamette University basketball that all addresses the ways in which men hurt women. Um, and his whole ethos behind the basketball program at Willamette University now is, is how to build men in the modern world. And it's really, really interesting, really fascinating. He's actually been highlighted on, you know, NCAA's magazine, um, their publication. But he'd be a really good, interesting guy to have a conversation. Season with. two, season two coming soon, maybe. Season two, I'll hit him up. <laughs> hit him up. It'd, be, it'd be a really good one. What next question for you? We've addressed this this uh, lack of representation of women that. Um, that we've, we've shown in the podcast so far, where else do we have room to grow? Hmm. I think we, and, and where do we find this, but how do we find people that really disagree with us? Um, that people on this podcast that really don't see positive as positive or don't have had as positive experience through sport or um, people that challenge kind of our, our thinking. I think we've got a lot of like-minded people, but how do we create dissidents or even areas where me and you disagree more, more vehemently? I, I don't know. I think that there's some, some level of debate or some um, non, maybe non-sporting fans involved. Yeah. Um, I think I wish I knew where my blind spots were. I think we're constantly looking for them. I, I know that season one's most glaring blind spot is the lack of female voice. Um, I'm sure there are more. Um, I got to look for them every day. I think that's our job. Actually, a couple names just popped in my head right when you said that. And I, I got a friend who, uh, you know, she was a, she was a women's studies major in college, and she's a, she's an educator now. She's a teacher now. But I think she and I have had some really interesting conversation about sport, and her view of sport is very much in the in the damage that it's created right it, she looks at sport as this place where there has been a lot of rape of women um she looks at the stories of like the duke lacrosse team um which to clear up there's a fascinating documentary um about that that really goes into the whole issue of duke lacrosse but there is a perception of sport as being this very much men consuming women for their enjoyment um, type culture. And she would be a fascinating person to have on. And I think that that's a, uh, that's a really, really valid and valuable point you bring up. That's the element where it's like, where does, where does sport reflect society or society reflects sport? Exactly. Where are the blind spots of sport? We think it's this great thing, this amazing thing, but where is it hurting people? And how can we address that? Yeah. Yeah. Super valid. Next question for you. What is going on in your life right now? And 
how have these sort of conversations informed you in the way that you want to move forward? Where are you at? What's going on? I know you got big. I am, I am literally in, in a tightrope limbo across of two worlds. So we're two days away. Today is Tuesday, the 21st. Um, on Thursday, the CFL is going to announce if they're going to have a season this year uh, with regards to the COVID pandemic. Um, they've announced today that their Winnipeg is going to be the hub city. So we'll be like basketball, like NBA will be in a hub city. All the teams will be housed in the same city. We'll play at the same stadium. Um, and take turns uh, throughout the week, practice, et cetera. Who knows how that's going to work. Um, so I'm very much in limbo, and I've gotten to a point, high levels of anxiety. I, I'm a planner. I want to know what I'm going to do next. I want to know my training schedule. I want to know how to get ready for this next season to be at my best. Um, and I've not been able to do that because there's, there's a question of as to whether we're going to play the season or not. Um, so it's made me kind of reflect, and this has been a really good outlet for that to reflect what is my relationship with sport. Um, I think that without these conversations, I would be more anxious. I'd be more worried because I wouldn't appreciate the lessons that are right in front of me that I now can see from the past, um, but now more evident and more clear in front of my face. Um, that conversation of daily meditation um, is something I think I've kind of grown out of this podcast in some ways is just going out each morning um, and having a decent dialogue with sport. Um, and the question is that dialogue with sport or is that dialogue with myself? Um, re get back with enjoying the process, um, enjoying juggling a soccer ball um, as much as I feel like I need to prepare and be at my best. Um, I think what this podcast has most made me aware of which was a journey that i've already kind of been on um is that my journey to be the best is not focused on what i'm not today it's focusing on becoming more of myself um and i say that in terms of um i don't need to split squat 225 for 10 reps and if i do eight i'm not as great as i could be i need to make those eight the greatest squats that i can do and i know that may be a very subtle difference for listeners but that's a world of difference for my mentality because every day you either gain an inch or you lose an inch and that's as much physique building as it is mental aptitude and mental approach that if I focus, if I don't do 10, I'm slipping behind. Whereas if I did eight to the best of my ability, I became my best self. And that's where my, my excellence is going to reside. Um, it's an inward journey rather than an outward journey. Um, it's a process oriented rather than a results oriented mindset. Um, it's all those things. Um, and I think this conversation has very, been very informative and uh, allowed me to slow down and hear what comes out of my mouth and be like, do I really agree with that? <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. And I think that's been really fun going back and listening to you and hearing myself say something be like, ah, yeah, don't really agree with that one. But uh, some, some I really do resonate with. And so it's been that kind of, that same conversation. Um, I think if we're constantly in dialogue with those around us and with ourselves, uh, 
we we're living in a better community. So we're going to flip it back and we're going to kind of put this thing in context a little bit. I think surround this thing uh, and remember why we started this and how we started this. So um, Scotty, how has this informed you in your development of your television show? Um, is Are there nuggets that you see going forward and what's the next step uh, beyond this podcast into potentially people seeing this live and in person visually? Yeah. So I think, this might be breaking the ice or, or unveiling the curtain uh, for a lot of people who might be listening, but uh, this has sort of been, this podcast has sort of been a thought incubator um, and an idea incubator for a TV show concept that I've had uh, for a long time that we're working on. Um, that's really sort of presenting sport in, in a different type of way, a little bit more of a humanistic way. And I don't want to give too much of it away at all. Um, but I think each conversation has, I think, solidified the importance of what it is that we're trying to present and what we're trying to say about sport and what we're trying to represent, you know, not only artistically, but from a storytelling aspect and from a, a what sport does to us in our lives and to the world. Um, and each, each guest, each person that we've had on has added so many gems to this whole narrative of what this show could be. Um, that it's been, it's been really, I don't know, it's been really fulfilling in a way where I, I've never produced a TV show, right? Like I don't work in Hollywood. I'm not a writer. I'm not a, I'm not a famous accomplished athlete. I'm not, you know, I, I have my accomplishment in sports without a doubt. And, but I'm not like a household name by any, by any means. So in a lot of ways, like going after produce, producing a TV show without the industry experience and without having the name as an athlete, it seems kind of crazy and it seems like you're completely delusional doing it. Uh, but when we dive into these conversations and when I really get a chance to listen to what people have to share in this space and in this realm and in this dialogue about sport, it's a huge affirmation that I think what we're trying to produce and what we're trying to create is hugely relevant and i think it's really really interesting and i think it's really important for a lot of young athletes for a lot of parents and for a lot of coaches to hear and to experience because i don't think as powerful and as beautiful as i think sport is i think the way that we present it in our culture i think it sells us short and i think it it pigeonholes a lot of our most talented people into a place where they can't provide the most good um, for the world around us so this podcast has been just tremendous in having those conversations and bringing this dialogue to the forefront. It's been a great practice for me to 
you know, practice interviewing and practice having these conversations and, and letting them go where they naturally go and letting people take it where they want to naturally take it. Because at the end of the day, this show that I'm, this TV show that we're trying to create and this podcast is not about what we're trying to impart on the world. This is not a propaganda piece. This is us tapping into a vibration that I think a lot of us that play sports can feel and can resonate on and can talk about. And if anything, this, this podcast has been just reaffirming that that's a really, really valuable thing and that we potentially have the, the capability of being the ones to produce it and putting, putting it out there to the world. So there are times like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I've been, we have a, a sizzle reel together, which is basically like a trailer. We have a full pitch deck, uh, which basically gives you like the look and feel and the ethos and sort of the structure of each episode. We have a, you know, one sheet that basically like you look at one sheet and you get a look and feel of what the show is about. We have all those things together and I've been pushing them out and networking and everything to try to get them in front of people and have conversations, start opening the dialogue. And to this point is met with a lot of like non-responses. Um, and that's hard. It's really, really hard. I mean, and every time you hear that it kind of feels like a little bit of a rejection, but every time I get to come back to this podcast and have these conversations with, athletes of all levels who have been a part of the sport and can vibe on this type of conversation. It's, it's reaffirming and encouraging to just keep going. And I think back to like Kobe Bryant's comments to the press, you know, like I'm not in a position with the show that we're up to O, but at the same time, the job's not done. There's nothing to celebrate. It's a cool idea. It's a really cool concept. Job's not done. Just keep going. That's where I'm at. Man, you really hit some gems along that process. And I think what the overall, what you talked about is like access and how you can create more access for more people to sport or to community through this, through this show and through this process. And I just had such a strong vision of um, an episode talking about, you know, we talked about Samora and, and his, his, in my opinion, his episode being about philosophy, but how an episode could talk about someone's philosophy um, as opposed in, in relation to sport. And that can be in terms of the West Coast offense versus the digit system, a philosophy of how to succeed on a football field to uh, Samora's philosophy as to how he got off a of press. You know, he just took a crossover in basketball and, you know, applied that in football. That's a philosophy of how to create success in an individual level, much less like the philosophical aspect of um what is the game and how does it inform us of, of ourselves? And you're really talking about access. And I, I really cannot wait until these images and these discussions have visuals to them. Cause I think that's another aspect of sport that's more transcendent. The other senses, right? When I, when I think about sport and I think about each sport in individual in of itself, like when I think about basketball, I think about sound and, and the screech of tennis shoes and the bounce of the ball on the gym. When I think about baseball, I think about the smell, the smell of a glove, of a leather glove, or the sound of a, of a, of a 
ball hitting a bat. Um, I'm getting off topic here. I'm getting esoteric and touchy feely, but that's really like adding another sensory experience to this thing that we love, which is sport. Um, I think well, it would be think really about, valuable for the viewer. Think about Tony's, think about Tony's quote, right? When you're trying to have a conversation with somebody, so much can get lost and screwed up with words. Yeah. Right? That wasn't a completely perfect quote, but it's along those lines, right? And there is something that's just visual and spatial relationship and artistry of sport that it says it all for you. So without giving too much of it away, this is it's going to be a, a travel show and it's going to be about the essence and ethos of sport. And we'll just leave it at that for now. Um, but, you know, I, I, I listen to this podcast with Jeremy Jones, who's like my hero snowboarder. Um, you know, he's one of the best, best backcountry snowboarders in the history of big mountain snowboarding. He founded Protect Our Winners, which is an amazing climate change initiative organization doing tremendous work around the world, um, but specifically here in the U.S. Uh, and I listened to a podcast of his today where he was interviewed on someone else's podcast. And he talked about pretty much every big mountain objective he has. He looks at it and with everybody he's with as this perspective of, we're going to go try this today, but we're prepared for the conditions to not be conducive for us to, to make it happen, right? The AVI conditions are going to potentially be too dangerous for us to do it, but we're going to go try it today. And there was something I really got out of that with this whole process of trying to produce a TV show when you're not actually in the entertainment industry and you're trying to break in is, yeah, it's there. That mountain is there that I'm trying to climb and descend. It's there, right? I am going to try to stack the deck as best as possible approaching it. And there's something about the way that Jeremy Jones presented it as I'm going to go try it. And if it doesn't work immediately, that's okay. It's going to be there for another time. And when the, when the cards are stacked just right and the stars are aligned just right, I'm still going to be ready to go do it again. And maybe we have to adjust our approach and maybe we have to do this or that, but it's still going to be there and it's still going to be there to be climbed. And, and recognize recognize your mountain too yeah uh, recognize how big big that's a, that's mount everest dude like you're in so many ways like having this be your film experience like your people live their entire careers trying to get the, a television series or their television series series off the ground in so many ways and i think it's just fine you you've done so much of the groundwork um you've had really good conversations and i'm excited to have one of our listeners or, or somebody in our, in our immediate network being just that small catalyst. It's just about opening that one door, that one key, that one notch, and then the flood's going to happen. But um, also you don't know, you know, where or when that is. And that can be the really frustrating part about it. But um, like so many of our conversations, I think um, they've come out of, you know, maybe unlikely places or, taking an unexpected turn but i think that um when you're ready it'll it'll present itself hope so we'll see what happens man is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this episode 
No. Season two, man, coming soon. I don't. I don't want to stop. I don't know about you, but I want to keep going. I I think we have to keep going. I I mean, it's it's one of my favorite parts of the week is when we get to sit down for an hour or two and just have a really good conversation with people. Yeah. Let's keep doing what, it. We, uh, maybe when this pandemic's over, we could do it over a, a a little shot or something like that. You know, a little put up some hoops, put up some shots at the and a hoop, and then have the same conversation, or talking. do one before and one after. Now we're talking. I think that could be an evolution of the podcast, a little bit of uh, movement before or after. A little bit of visual. Yeah. I think so. I love it. Let's make it happen. Visuals coming soon. Athlete Purpose Beyond Sport podcast. <laughs> hey, before we close this episode, I, I really need from both of us, from, from Mac and myself, the biggest thanks to, to Tony, to Samora, to Steve, to Cheeto, to Eric, to Will, to oh, who is number seven? Uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, you to Connor, to Xander, to where am I at now? Number 10 would be Dan. Dan Krikorian, to Mark Grebe, to Ricky Cameron Ray. Toler, to Ricky Ray, to Josie. Josie. And Mac, I got to thank you from the bottom of my heart, man, for, for being a part of this with me. I mean, it's, dude, it is just such a pleasure to just like sit down and chat every week like this. Man, likewise. I learn something every time. And thank you for creating this space and, and including me on your journey in so many ways. And I, and I hope to facilitate and, and reciprocate going forward in, in, in any and all ways. So I really do look forward to it. To the moon, brother. Let's do it. To the moon.